Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Okay, I'm so excited because I'm going to talk about supernatural stuff today. Um, so again, it's going to be a lot of storytelling. Now, you might wonder, like, why is Jeff talking about all this stuff again? But I have the hope and the desire that everyone walks today um, with a new prayer in your heart. Everyone goes home and starts praying this because I feel like it's such a relevant core topic of the Holy Spirit that I'm excited about sharing this. So today I'm going to start talking about um, setting your heart ablaze with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Woo! Woo! <laughs> I love talking about fire. So um, I became a Christian in um, I think 1991 or 1992 and um, I remember going out to one of my friends and telling him and in the midst of that I was like I just can't believe I'm actually going to tell him that I believe that Jesus is really truly the Messiah. I can't believe that I've come to the conclusion that this is real. Like me, the girl that used to go to pubs and smoke and drink and get drunk or stoned on drugs is actually going to tell somebody that I believe that Jesus has actually saved me from all those sins. Like it blew my mind. So I went to my friend's house and I said like, you know what? And he starts like chatting away like um very much a teacher, and in the midst of that, like, uh, that he said, like, oh, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're really missing out because you've got to believe in Jesus. And um, in the midst of him, like, telling me again about Jesus, I said, like, I actually do. And then he was, like, talking and talking, and he said, what did you just say? I said, I actually said, I do. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, I do believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe he is the Messiah. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh my gosh, I've got to call my wife. So he called his wife into the living room and he said, you've got to hear what she just said. And I said, I believe that Jesus saved me from my sins. I believe it. I just, I don't know how I started to believe it, but I believe it. And then he said, oh my gosh, we've got to pray, we've got to pray. So I don't know why I had to move from the living room to the kitchen, but the kitchen was a holy place. Um, they got me into the kitchen, sitting at the kitchen table, sitting in a chair, and then they called the neighbors. Everyone has to hear this because this is a testimony. I'm like, okay. So I was sitting at the kitchen table. They called in the neighbors, and they stood around me, which I thought was a bit intimidating. And um, they started praying, like, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill her up, fill her up, fill her with your fire. I'm like, oh, okay. And, um, and the neighbor was standing next to me, and the moment she put her hand on my shoulder, I checked, because I actually thought that she had a stove lighter, one of those sappers. Do you know one of those that actually ignites the stove? I thought she was sapping me. And I was like, that's actually a hand. And I can feel this electric feeling. Like, I can feel this pulsation. I can feel like something is actually charging me up like a car with starter cables on it. And I can feel this energy. Weird. Like, what is this? And I said, I feel zapped. And then she started going, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And I thought, oh, okay, I've never heard of this, but okay. And then she said, being filled with fire. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, and I remember going home and thinking like, what was that? I got filled with something. 
And I found that no matter what I did, I couldn't stop thinking about this. Like something happened. Something supernatural happened in my life and I actually got touched by something and I was filled. And, and it seems to be on the forefront of my thoughts every moment of the day. And I found that what you would call the all-consuming fire of God really started to consume my thinking. And pretty soon, it took over everything I was doing. And I found that the normal stuff that I did on a day-to-day -day basis was suddenly unacceptable in my eyes. And I thought, my language needs to shift. My thinking needs to shift. My dream life needs to shift. The way I engage with people needs to shift. I actually feel like I need to love more. And every time I did something, I had this sensation of presence of the Holy Spirit where I had a living encounter with what you would call the holy fire of God on a daily basis. And the strange thing about the fire of God is that once you've encountered it, you keep seeking it out. So I found that I started to search out this holy fire of God, or whatever it was. And um, I stumbled across a lady that was called Ruth Fazal, and she had this beautiful ministry of playing the violin and I remember putting on one of her CDs, and it was what they call now a soaking CD, but back then there was no reference for soaking. And she, um, she started playing the violin, and then she said, the holy fire of your love, the holy fire of your love. And I thought, wow, so love is a fire? Wow. So God's love is actually an all-consuming fire. And then I thought, there's something about this fire thing, because I just can't get it out of my mind. And it's actually shifting everything I do, even without people preaching at me. It's just changing my life. And I thought, I need to search out this fire, because I, I haven't heard of this before. And every time I saw something pop up, I would go there. Like um, Rodney Howard Brown, Spirit Fire Conference, or Rodney Howard Brown's Holy Fire Conference. Like, he has a thing about fire. And I started to search out what you would call the fire of God. And then I found that it started to fill me, but it also started to fill other people that came into my presence because I was filling myself with the atmosphere of heaven on a daily basis. And even people that had never encountered Christ actually started to get the impartation of fire. Which is why I want to preach about this today. Because Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And my hope today is that we walk away from this meeting and go home and start praying for the fire. Because yeah. if you haven't done that, you need to start doing it. Now, if you've had an encounter with fire, I want to encourage you because I've got testimonies about reoccurring presences of fire on, on yearly basis. So the Holy Spirit fire is something that you can encounter, but you can keep re-encountering, and it's like returning back to your first love. It's like going back to that fire. Now, why would you search out fire? Think of trees that burn up. Do you know that there are seeds that you plant that can only get ignited by fire? And sometimes when a fire will blaze over a forest, it actually re-germinates the ground. It re-fertilizes the trees. 
Um, and not only that, but it actually spreads. So if you set one tree ablaze, it will actually spread to a whole forest. And I think the same goes for our life, that if the Holy Spirit sets us ablaze, and if we start searching out the love, the fire of his love, we actually become a blazing fire. And we'll set other trees alight with that. Now, I remember going to university and I had one of my teachers and he was passionate about um, biblical history. And I remember sitting in his class and I thought there's something so captivating about what this teacher is teaching and I wonder why it is. And then I realized that he was on fire for the subject. Now, there's something about being on fire because when you've got an enthusiasm, it actually spreads. It's much more captivating to listen to somebody that is passionate and on fire about the subject than listening to somebody that is lukewarm. Because if somebody is lukewarm, it's not going to like capture your heart, right? There's something about passion and being ignited with the Holy Spirit that spreads to other people, which is why the Lord wants our hearts to be ablaze with His presence. Okay, when we look at the Old Testament, Isaiah 33 verse 14, it says, Who can live in the devouring fire? Who of us can live with eternal burning? He whose life is right and whose speech is straight. He who scorns getting rich by extortion and he who shakes his hands free of bribes. There's something about entering into the Holy Spirit fire that actually changes your motivations. And pretty soon you'll see that you're like that tree that's stripped bare in a bushfire and all the stuff of your soul and all your selfish motivations actually get burnt away. They get burnt away. And the thing that remains is the upright righteous heart. The thing that remains is the thoughts that are actually focused on God. And all the stuff in your life that you don't need actually falls away. When your speech is straight, and you scorn getting rich by extortion, and you shake your hands free of bribes. To me, that sounds like a righteous man. That's how you can stand in the devouring fire. So God is giving us an invitation to actually be baptized by fire. And it reminds me of um, the stories in the Old Testament where you actually saw um, things being placed on the altar. There's something about submitting yourself to God, placing yourself before God, placing everything you do before God and asking Him to set His fire. It's a bravery act, isn't it? In Exodus 24, 17, it says, To the people of Israel, the glory looks like a raging fire on the top of the mountain. Moses entered the cloud and went up the mountain, and he was on the mountain 40 days and nights. So the glory looks like a raging fire. When we talk about the supernatural, about the presence of God, it is a raging fire. And he's asking us to actually submit ourselves to that. Now a bit later on, I'm gonna talk about why, because if you think like, I really don't need that in my life, there's no getting away from this. There's always gonna be an encounter with fire whether it's here on earth or in heaven, but that encounter with fire is coming. That's exciting. So in Deuteronomy 4 verse 24, where it, it highlights that God hates idolatry, it says, Adonai, your God, is a consuming fire, a 
jealous God. He actually wants our attention. He wants us to not put other things in a priority in our life, but he actually wants to be in that priority in our life. And he is a consuming fire. He actually wants all the stuff that's not helpful in your life to be burned away. Yeah? Okay, testimony time again. Um, I went to a meeting in Amsterdam uh, with a friend, and it was one of those set your heart on fire conferences. I can't remember the exact title of it, but it has something to do with fire. And I remember sitting in one of the front seats and this little old man shuffled past me and I had a really bad thought. I thought, I really don't want this old man that can't walk to come up and pray for me. He couldn't walk, he was like shuffling around. And then my second thought was, I know God's going to send this guy to pray for me. <laughs> I know it. I just know it in my spirit. So the little old man shuffled past and they had a prayer about being filled by the fire of God and I thought, okay, I'm going to go forward and have these people that I don't know pray for me. And the little old man came shuffling up ever so slowly, almost like missing his cane, and without teeth he said, hey, I pray for you. Like, yeah, you can pray for me. The moment he put his hand on my head, I could feel the heat go up. And it wasn't an embarrassment. It was actually the holy fire of God. And I was down on my knees, and I remember bawling my eyes out because I could feel the presence of God. And then up came this other lady that seriously looked like Oprah Winfrey with a big flower hanging from her chest, like a big red flower. And she started praying, she got no fire, she got no fire. And this little old man with no teeth was praying. And he was full of the presence of God. He looked like Santa Claus. Santa Claus and Oprah Winfrey. Both started praying for me. And I got filled with the fire of God. And I remember walking away and thinking like, this is the most mind-blowing experience of my whole life. Being filled by the fire of God, it changes everything. It actually purifies my thinking. It purifies my motives. It makes me like a blazing torch in the midst of my friends. It makes me want to talk and think and, and walk with Jesus 24-7, non-stop. Like, it, it's actually taken over my life. It's changed everything I do. And I remember talking to, like, even strangers on the street. They're so full of fire that people would say, oh my gosh, I've never encountered Christ, but I need to go to a Bible school. I mean, that's how impacting it was. Everywhere I went, I would talk to people, and they would be set ablaze with the fire of God. Um, after that, I went to this other conference that was out in Germany. I actually had to travel quite a while to get there. Went out with a busload full of people that were also full of the fire of God. Went to this conference that was called Awaken Europe. And um, I thought, I need to be more filled with this revival presence because I need to change everybody's lives to let them have this encounter of Jesus the way I've had this. I went to this conference and I remember um, they had set us up in the swimming pool so they had opened up all the locker rooms in the swimming pool and we put down sleeping bags and we were sleeping there and then going out to this conference. And one morning I woke up and I realized that one of my friends on the bus had actually missed waking up and I was standing there waiting for him. I think I stood there for 45 minutes waiting for him to wake up because he was sleeping in a van 
And while I was standing there, I was standing outside of the locker room, and there was a bunch of people in there that were singing. They were doing like worship in the morning. And I stood outside of the locker room, and I've never heard such an angelic presence in my life. I could hardly speak about it without crying. But I could hear angelic voices rising up, and I could hear the glory of God ascending to heaven. And it was such a holy moment that I thought, I don't even want to go in to ask them if they've seen my friends, because if I do that, I'm going to interrupt something that is so sacred and so beautiful. And I remember standing there and feeling the glory and the fire and the intimate, sweet love of Jesus to a degree that I've never encountered in my whole life. It was so beautiful that to this day when I talk about it, I get goosebumps. And I realized that God wants to draw us into this place. Because when you speak about fire, it almost sounds a bit unsafe. But he wants to draw us into this place where being set ablaze with his passion is actually a safe place. Where you actually feel um, intimately embraced by the sweetness of his love. And feel safe to not need all the other soulish, selfish ambitions and motivations and desires in life. And I remember walking away from that conference and I thought, okay, I've been to this conference five days straight and don't, don't get me wrong, it was astonishing, right? But I was more touched by what happened in that locker room. It changed my life. And I remember going out on the street and I went down um, to the shops one time, walked past an ATM and the presence of, like the atmosphere of glory was so big on that little city, it was called Essen that it actually permeated out on the street. And people that did, know, did not know Christ were down on their knees on the street corners calling out to Jesus. I've never seen anything like it. I can hardly speak about it without crying. People were on the sidewalks with their hands in the air calling on Jesus. People were from in front of the ATM calling on Jesus. Like everywhere I went, Jesus was there. And they got busloads full of children of people that were in that conference attending. They had busloads of, I think, 150 children, and they took them out on the streets. And little children were placing their hands on, on like, heads of people on the street and calling on Jesus. And these people were getting filled by the fire of God, by these little children. Everywhere I went, I saw Jesus break out. It was the most mind-blowing thing I've ever seen. It was a full-blown revival that spread over Germany and impacted people that had never encountered Christ. And I found that the glory of God can reside on you like a heavy, weighty presence that convicts. It convicts you of the holiness of God. Absolutely wrecked me. And I remember going home thinking, like, I don't know how this works. I'm a 24-7 mom. I take care of my kids, but I have become a revivalist. And everywhere I go, I'm going to share about the holy fire of God and how it changes your life. It changes everything you do. Yeah? Okay, pause for a second. I'm so excited. Woo! The fire of God. The fire of God. Okay, so in the Old Testament, it always went over the camp over the altar, it was always an external thing. There was a pillar of fire and the people followed it through the desert. 
it was always an external thing, but now you go to the, like the New Testament, I guess what happens, it becomes an internal thing. So in Matthew 3.11 it says, Is it true that I am immersing you in water so that you might turn from sin to God, but the one coming after me is more powerful than I am? Not than I am. I'm not worthy to carry a sandals, and he will immerse you in the Ruach HaKodesh and in fire, the presence of holiness and in fire. So it's a promise that Jesus will immerse you in fire. Yeah? Internally. At Pentecost, or in Acts like 2, 20, verse 3, I hope it is, no, it's 2, 2 and 3, I think. I'm going to have to look that up because I think I made a typo there. But suddenly there came a sound from the sky like the roar of a violent wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what looks like tongues of fire which separated and came to rest on each one of them. They were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now notice how they waited. They waited on God. They waited 10 days before that came. Now I think that the 10 days of waiting were actually a key. Because I think that there's this reoccurring thing in the Bible of people actually waiting on God. Yeah. Now, if you've never had an encounter with the fire of God, my question is, have you actually waited on Him? And they waited for 10 days. They actually waited until something would happen. And I think there's a key there. Now, I remember um, having, having the privilege in my 20s of um, having kids that were in school um, hours, like going to a public school just down the road, and they would leave at um, 8.30, I think, in the morning, and they would come back at 3 in the afternoon. And I had all these hours between 8.30 and 3 in the afternoon of actually being able to wait on God. And then I had a second slot in my day, which was like between 10 o'clock when my whole family went to sleep, 10 and 2 in the morning. Now, I found that when I started reading my Bible at 8.30 in the morning, I started reading it for... 50 minutes, 30 minutes, um, 30 minutes, um, an hour. And then I found that um, the Holy Spirit started to revelate through the Word of God. Now again, there's a key. Search the Word of God and you'll have an encounter with fire if you really search for His presence. Um, it went from me waiting on God, reading the Word for 30 minutes, reading the Word for an hour, um, having these impacts of going to these conferences where they were speaking about fire. And suddenly I found that there was a switch where um, it became, instead of like, uh, it's a chore to actually read this, I'm pressing in, I'm doing it another 50 minutes, it actually became hard to not do it. So what I mean with that is like, I started to look at my clock and then realizing that I had read my Bible for five hours and I couldn't put it down. Like, I was actually sad about putting it down because I got such an encounter with the presence of the Holy Spirit that it was hard to disengage from that holiness with God. And then I had this, what I would call an opportunity, it was 10 o'clock at night, and I had hours where I could actually wait on God and just wait for his presence. And I remember one night, like we had this arch in the kitchen, like this beautiful little kitchen and the archway in it, and I would sit in the kitchen, because sometimes my kids would sleepwalk and they would come in and I didn't want them to like, 
you know, get really down by the fact that I was down on my knees in the kitchen, right? So I would sit in this little archway and I would wait on God and wait on God and wait on God and I would feel his presence, like beautiful, come into my living room. And I remember one night being down on my knees in the kitchen and I think I was down there like 10, 11, 12, 1. It must have been until like 1 o'clock. And suddenly when I was on my knees, I remember looking at the door in the living room because I could just see it out from there. And the door never moved, but I could hear the door open. I could hear it open and I could feel it. And the Holy Spirit walked in, into my living room, walked right up to me and I could feel the hands of Jesus on my head. And I could feel them pouring over my head and a baptism with the Holy Spirit full baptism with the fire and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I remember just like being so out of words that I couldn't even pray. All I could say was, oh, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Lord, Jesus, King of Kings. Wow. And I could feel him fully immersing, fully baptizing me with his presence, filling me up. And it changed my life. It became something that I could never back away from. I think I went from believing to knowing that Jesus was real. His engaging presence of holiness. I don't know why he did that. But it changed my life. Yeah, changed my life. I'm trying to get back to you. In Revelations 19 verse 12, it says, His eyes were like a fiery flame, and on his head were many royal crowns. When Jesus looks at you, his eyes are burning with love. Always. His eyes are burning with love. He looks right through you. And he wants everything that's not holy, that's not meant to be helpful, that's not um, a plan to prosper you, to be burnt away. He wants you to engage with him and with your righteousness of the Holy Spirit. In Jeremiah 20 verse 9 it says, It seems as though a fire is burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. I wear myself out trying to hold it in, but I just can't do it. Now that was my encounter. I started to not be able to like be able to hold it in anymore. Everywhere I went, there was this encounter of Holy Spirit fire. I remember going into McDonald's and people standing behind the cash register, and all I said was hello, and they would burst out crying under the holiness of God. There was this impact, this atmospherical shift everywhere I went. And, you know, I mean, you look at me, and I was just a housewife. The reason I'm saying that is because like, God has no regard for your position. He has no regard for your status. It doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're literate or illiterate or down on yourself or in prison or it just, it doesn't matter. God, God does not regard your reputation. What he regards is the hunger in your heart and the searching you out. Whether you're full-time at home, whether you're a farmer, whether you're a housewife, whether you're unemployed, it doesn't matter. Whether you're challenged in your mind, whether you have mental health issues, or like whether you have Down syndrome, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter because God does not regard your reputation. He regards the hungries of heart. The hungry ones of heart, I should say. All he wants is people that search him. Now how do you press into that being on fire for God? That's my hope that you're walking away today thinking like, how do you press in for that? I know that not everybody is a seer or a feeler, but everybody can be baptized with fire. Now how do you do it? Now I said before, wait on God. It's a key. Just wait on him. Wait on him when other people would walk out of the room. I've been to conferences and often I've seen that it's the young people that stay back after a conference and you've had the, the slot from like 5 in the afternoon goes on to like 9, 9.30, people go home and then you've got the young ones and no matter what you do you just can't kick them off the floor because they don't want to go home and they're sitting there and I've seen young ones get up and start dancing around and then suddenly it's 11.30 at night and they've been waiting, waiting, like I don't know why. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit will show up. He searches for the ones that wait on him, that actually sacrifice their time like a first fruit and engage in the presence of God. And then he will show up at Pentecost. They waited 10 days. Imagine waiting on God until he comes. Imagine not wanting to walk away until you've had that encounter with God. So in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 it says, no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Someone used gold, silver, or precious stones in building on this foundation, while others will use wood, grass, or straw. But each one's work will be shown for what it is. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. Now that's a promise that everything you build in life will be um, judged, exposed by the fire of God. Now whether you do that now on earth as it is in heaven, or it happens in heaven, it's a promise that you will be exposed to the fire of God. No matter what you do, there's an account of the fire of God. So my encouragement today to you is expose yourself to it. Don't end up in heaven before the throne of God with all the works and all the stuff you've got done to see it be revealed as nothing, to see it be revealed as not laid on the right foundation, to see it be revealed as not submitted to God. My encouragement to you is place your life on the altar now. Ask God to fill you with fire now. Submit your works to him now. Now, it says in the Bible, in everything you do, submit it to God. And why is that? Because he wants to burn away the selfish motivations of our life. He wants to burn away everything that's not of him. And just, I, I hope it's not intimidating because it's meant to be this beautiful thing that draws you in to the ravishing love of God. That's what it, it's meant to be. It's meant to be something that sets your heart ablaze with passion with the beauty of Christ, with the desire to encounter him more and more and more. Because the more you encounter God, the more you realize that he is truly good. He's so good that you just can't get over it. He's so good that he blows your mind. He's so good that once you've encountered the glory of God, you can never back away from it. You keep wanting to come back for more 
because it's the most beautiful thing that anyone will ever encounter. It's like what we sing in worship songs. You're more beautiful than anything. He is more beautiful than anything. His glory is more beautiful than anything. Like, I just, like, I feel so sad for the people that looked up on the mountain and saw the fire of God blazing with the glory and decided to not go up with Moses. Imagine if they did. Imagine if they pressed through that initial intimidation of the fire of God and actually had a 40-day encounter with what I would call your best friend. It would have changed their lives. And yet they only let one man go up and he was so full of the presence of God that they could hardly look at his face because he became like a blazing torch, like the light of God was shining out of him. That is true revival. Now here's a prayer. And if you agree with this, if this has stirred up something inside of you, I want you to pray this with me. Yeah? Lord, you are a holy God, a consuming fire. I'm asking you to increase my hunger for you. Increase my hunger. I purposefully turn my affections towards you. I repent of sinfulness in my life. Now, if you're thinking of something specific, just say it on your breath. I repent of sinfulness in my life. I forgive everyone that needs to be forgiven. Now, if you're thinking of someone, get it out of your system. Forgive them. Lord, I'm asking you to meet with me. I'm asking you to meet with me in everything I do, in every action I do, in everything I say, in everything I think, in every person I encounter, in everything I set my hand to, I'm asking you to meet with me. Yeah? Lord, let your love be a consuming fire in my heart. Set me ablaze with the gospel. Set me ablaze with the good news. Set me ablaze with the revelation of your love. Let your fiery eyes of love burn as they look at me and burn away everything that's not of you. Lord, like they did in the Old Testament with the sacrifice, I'm placing my life on the altar and I'm asking you to burn up everything that's not of you, every wicked way, every sin in my life, everything that's not helpful, I'm asking you to burn it up. And I'm asking you to set me on fire for you so that I can like that tree in the forest that will set the forest ablaze. You only need one tree on fire to have a raging bushfire. Okay, now I'm going to read out a page from this book. And it's called Consuming, that set me on fire. It's a book by Malcolm MacDonald. So he says here, and it's page 59, like I can write it down later on if anyone wants to buy this book because I highly recommend it. Page 59, it says, I would rather serve God unsuccessfully on earth with a heart of love and desire for God's glory than to seemingly succeed in works on earth but find it all burned up in heaven because my heart was full of selfish ambition or pride. 
Success in the kingdom of God is whatever passes through the fire. The flesh is stubble, hay, and wood that will be burned up and gone for eternity, even though you would still go to heaven by God's grace. I want my life to bring forth fire-tested treasure for eternity. Such treasure looks like ordinary small acts of love, service, service and sacrifice. It looks like preferring others, seeking God in prayer, giving to the poor and needy, visiting the prisoners, healing the sick, mentoring the young person, sharing your faith with others, forgiving those who have hurt you, or going the second mile for someone who can't repay you. There are a million ordinary ways to live for eternity and receive the saints' reward. It's true that while man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart, which is in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. I have found the fire revealing my heart many times. God's idea of quality is not always about the end product, but about the character of love in the journey. Christian character needs fire, and fire will test its quality. This inspires me to live for the kingdom, to live a life of consuming holiness that endures the revealing fire to the glory of God. This whole book, when I started reading it, I thought this whole book is just permeated with the fire of God. The whole book is set ablaze with somebody that has placed his life on the altar and asking God to burn away everything that's not helpful, to actually become a living sacrifice. It's a beautiful thing. It's true that while man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Now, we've prayed through this prayer. I'm, I'm hoping that you walk away today with a really ignited um, desire to be set ablaze by the fire of God. You might have never encountered it. If you haven't, ask Him. If you have, press in for more. Press into your first love. Ask him to set your place so that the name of Jesus is the first thing on your lips. So that he changes your life and your thoughts and impacts your surrounding with the presence of Christ. Become a blazing bush in the desert. Become a blaze with the presence of God. Allow him to burn through you. Allow him to set your heart on fire so that it's when the Amawas gathers, the disciples that walk down the road, and they said, was our heart not burning inside of us? That's my prayer today, guys, that our hearts will be set ablaze with the glory and the fire of God. Amen. Powerful word. I want you to stay up here. Um, there might be somebody here who would like to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray that we understand. Um, just the way that that old man prayed over here. Just a lamb, handsome, just pray for the love of God. So I'm just going to put some music on. If you'd like that kind of prayer, you can do it sitting in a seat. If you want, just put it, come and sit in a seat in the front here, and she will come and pray. I'm going to ask her to do it for me because. When you were speaking that, I just really sensed there was a, a, a release available today. And so I'm going to believe that, that that release is available. And if you would like to press into a place like that, 
and there's only a handful of us here, so if everybody would like to pray over there, she can. Okay, I'm just going to put some music on, and then do that, and we're going to, once we're all done, we're done. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au. God bless.